rare disease community is inspirational, brave, and empowering. Welcome to Insightful Moments, My Vibe, from PTC Therapeutics. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to PTC's Insightful Moments, My Vibe, where we're elevating the voices of people within the rare disease community to inspire, inform, and comfort. My name is Paula Orendash, and I'm the Patient Engagement Liaison at PTC Therapeutics. Recently, we attended the National PKU Alliance Challenge the Summit 2022 conference in Vancouver, where we spoke to many individuals affected by PKU. Today, we give them a platform to share their stories. PKU affects the body's ability to metabolize proteins. It requires a strict monitoring of diet, but has many other challenges and nuances for those diagnosed with PKU and their loved ones. We begin our conversation today with Lauren. She starts by sharing how her definition and explanation of PKU has changed from when she was in college to today. She also tells us about her current career and many of the paths available to those with PKU, thanks to new advancements in treatment and research. First of all, thank you so much for, for being with us here at My Vibe um, PTC's Insightful Moments. And I'd like to welcome you and would love for you to um, introduce yourself and tell us all about you and your family. Sure. My name is Lauren Reed. I'm 29 and I am an adult with PKU. I was diagnosed at nine days old through newborn screening, lived in Denver until I was 10. Then my mom and I moved out here to Vancouver and got to go back to see Dr. Harding at OHSU, so that was very exciting, and lived in Vancouver until I graduated high school. Then my mom and I moved to South Dakota, and she still lives in South Dakota. I went to college out there, got a bachelor's in international business and a bachelor's in economics, and then met my husband there, and ironically, he's also from Washington. So we met in South Dakota and decided to move back here. So now we live in Kalama. Let's go back a little bit for the people who do not know what PKU is. Sure. And can you talk a little bit about that? So PKU is a rare genetic disorder that causes the body to not produce the enzyme to break down protein from foods. So we're all tested through newborn screening. It's a little heel prick. Uh, when you're born, uh, PKU is mandatory testing in all 50 states, which is very exciting as well. So you go through newborn screening. If your blood phenylalanine levels are abnormal, they have you come in and get tested again. And then once you're diagnosed positive, you have to go on a low-protein diet of medical food supplemented with a medical formula for treatment. And they recommend that our blood phenylalanine levels stay between 2 and 6, which is considered safe um, and treatment range. If they go above that, we risk 
brain damage because the protein builds up in our system and ends up killing brain cells. So it's very important to stay on diet. Um, I believe my levels when I was diagnosed were about 37. So that's a lot higher than six. <laughs> so I was on diet my entire life. It wasn't very fun because when I was younger, there was not a lot of options for low protein foods. So it was a lot of salad and a lot of lower protein vegetables like carrots and green beans. People don't realize that there's a lot of protein in vegetables, like broccoli is high and mushrooms are really high. Corn is really high. Um, so those were treats for me. It's weird to think as a kid that broccoli would be a treat. You talk about on diet. As a young person, can you kind of talk about the you know challenges of growing up and having to be so uh, meticulous about your diet? Absolutely. It was it wasn't as hard for me because my mom was really great about making sure that I understood why I had to eat that way. Uh, I learned how to read food labels very quickly. My tolerance was about three grams of protein a day, so that's about a slice of white bread. The average person has about 60 to 65 grams per day. So that was really restricting, especially since there weren't a lot of medical foods. Um, but my mom worked really closely with my elementary school and my middle school to make sure that I could go through the lunch line and eat as normal as possible. So if the kids were having pizza that day, they would make my low protein pizza and I'd just go through the line and be like everybody else. I remember everyone would always ask me, why do you get apple juice instead of milk? And I was always say, because I'm special and you're not. <laughs> so I always kind of thought of it as a good thing, not necessarily a bad thing. But once I got into college and there were more medical foods, the university was less helpful. Um, so I didn't have necessarily all the medical foods I needed in college, which was hard. But throughout elementary school, middle school, high school, it was easier in school. Uh, it was a little bit more difficult, like going to friends' birthday parties or out to dinner. So everyone would always ask, oh, where can we go that Lauren can eat? And I say, well, I just eat salad and fries and everywhere has salad and fries. So it's fine. And now that I'm able to eat more, it's fun to actually be able to pick a restaurant where I know I can order something other than salad and fries. So it's, it's something that people take for granted, you know, going to a restaurant and just ordering a plate and not having to ask the server to take this off or add this or only put in this much. So we're here with a lot of families of different ages, you know, with PKU. When you talk to someone who's younger than you, you know, going through this journey, what are some of the things that they talk to you about and what are some of the guidance you give them? I really enjoy talking to younger people with PKU. My husband and I mentor a 10-year-old boy who's in foster care who has PKU. And he didn't really know a lot about PKU, didn't really know what it was or why he had to eat that way. So being able to teach him that, yes, you have to count your protein, you have to make sure you're drinking your formula all the time, but it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It doesn't have to be a negative thing. You can turn your adversity into something positive. And when I lead um, like the teen breakout sessions at camp or I have a teen one um, tomorrow morning as well, 
I try to embody that and just show people that, yes, we have PKU. We have this rare disease that doesn't have a cure. But it's okay. We don't have to feel bad for ourselves about it. There's, there's enough bad things going on. We can make it something enjoyable, like talking on a podcast or going to the premiere of Lofi Life, which is all about funny stories with PKU. And being able to see the lighter side of that, I think, is really important. Tell me a little bit about you today. So what do you do and, and what is um, life experiences for you? I currently am a mobility management coordinator for a government planning agency up in Longview, Kelso, so about 45 minutes north of here. So I work with typically um, underserved populations, whether that be the elderly, the disabled, youth, um, low income, whatever that, uh, that situation may be for them, and to make sure that they can use and know how to use um, public transit to get where they need to go within um, the five-county region that we cover. So do you think your diagnosis may have reflected your, your career path or your studies? I do. Um, I was told when I was very young that since my levels were always so high, it was a strong possibility that I would not be able to go to college. So I said, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to get two degrees since you said I couldn't get one. So I felt that it's always driven me to work harder and be more, I don't know, successful than they said I could be, which I always took as a positive thing. They said, no, you can't do that. So I said, I'm going to do it twice and get a t-shirt. I didn't realize that it was directing my career path until I was talking with some of the other PKU adults here. And so many of us work in some sort of industry that allows us to help people. and. I was talking with Tracy, who's the fundraising committee lead at the MPKUA, and she was sharing how empathetic and compassionate the community is. And I don't think we realize that because we're in it. So it's nice to to realize that we do have that that connection, even if we don't think about it all the time. Tell us about like how a conference like this is for the community, and you know it's a large amount of people coming together and virtually, right? Give us an understanding of the advocacy groups putting these conferences on and what that means for the community. Growing up, I had the opportunity to go to group clinic with other kids so we could meet people who are like us and learn together. And a lot of clinics didn't offer that. So I've met several adults that have never met anyone with PKU. They felt like they're all by themselves. So having a big conference like this, where people are coming from all over the country, is really, really cool to meet other people with PKU, uh, especially the kids. And a lot of parents of PKU kids, you know, they're, they're worried. My mom was terrified. And having the parents come and see the PKU adults and say, okay, they, they can lead very fulfilling lives and they can, you know, go to college and have jobs and live on their own, do these things. I think that's really um, encouraging for them. But just to have that camaraderie with the PKU adults has been really fun. I, you know, I'm a Facebook friends with several of them. And yesterday was the first time meeting them. And I felt like I've known them forever. 
So being able to have that in-person interaction has been really fun. And sharing the research, we have a lot of research updates going on today, and I think that's going to be very interesting, um, especially for us, you know, adults who've seen, oh, you now have low-protein cheese, so you can eat kind of normal. And seeing that develop into treatments that can have us eat normally or home fee monitors so we don't have to wait two weeks to get our our levels back. So that's that's really cool to see. I'm sure you've seen then over the years the you know noticing all the different organizations, companies, um, industry partners all working on behalf of PKU. So kind of give us a perspective from the community when you see a room filled with that many people supporting PKU. It's wonderful to see. I remember growing up I had two options for formula. They were both terrible, so it was choosing the lesser of the evils. And walking through the the exhibits, seeing five or six different formula companies with different flavors, different ways to have your formula, whether it be a powder you put in your food or a fruit bar that you can have, you know, with your lunch or just the typical like protein shake. It's really interesting to see the progress that's happened. Um, I know a lot of us were talking, uh, the adults were talking yesterday about how how horrible our formula has always been. And we were talking yesterday about, oh, you know, when we went to school and we would forget to take our protein shaker out of our backpacks, you know, our mom would be like, nope, we're throwing away the whole backpack. We're just going to get you a new one because it's never going to smell right again. And being able to have an option, you know, even the the pre-made formulas or, you know, like the little granola bar type things. So you don't look as different when you're sitting there in the lunchroom trying to eat. That's that's really cool to know that the kids might not have to go through what we did. So can you tell us a little bit about your feelings about the, you know, there's a lot of clinical trials going on and how is that perceived by yourself in the community? I feel like it's very surreal for a lot of us because we were always told you're going to have to be on your formula forever. You're going to have to eat your low protein food forever. And it's interesting to think that in five years, 10 years, that PKU might not be a problem anymore. You know, when I look at our our little guy that we mentor, I'm like, in 10 years, by the time you're my age, you could be cured, essentially. So that's a really interesting thing. It feels like we're in a sci-fi movie sometimes. So if you were to give any, you know, final thoughts to the community, if you wanted, you know, what you would like people to know about the PKU community, what would that be? I always say that, you know, PKU doesn't have us. We have PKU. It's not our whole identity. It's just a part of who we are. We get to decide what our story is, how how we want to live our life. And it's just a small piece of our personality, but it connects us to the entire PKU community. So in addition to our our family and our friends, we have a whole mother family. There's 400 of us here this weekend. So we have a whole mother 400 family members that we can talk to and have for support. And knowing that 
I could call any of my PKU friends and they would be there no matter what is, is a really good feeling. So it brings, it brings some comfort knowing that there's this whole community that has, that has your back no matter what. I am so grateful that you came and shared all this information and helping us, you know, provide an insight into PKU for the community. And so thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you for having this opportunity for us to share. I, I can't wait to hear everyone's, everyone's story. College is a transformative time in a young person's life. It can be a challenging time as one navigates through independence and freedom. Next, Meredith, a college student, will walk us through the misconceptions she's had to explain to her peers about her diagnosis. Additionally, Meredith will explain some of the symptoms that she experiences with PKU, such as brain fog, and what she does to cope with the symptoms. Lastly, we will hear how Meredith continues to build her community by attending conferences. So welcome to PTC's Insightful Moments, My Vibes. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, I'm so excited. Can you please um, introduce yourself as, and tell us about you? I'm Meredith. I'm 21 years old. I have PKU. And I'm currently in college at the University of Central Florida, and I'm studying psychology and sociology. So if you were to, to explain to families or anyone out there about PKU, what, what do you tell them? It depends on the person, on how, like the conversation, how it's going, and how much you think they'd want to learn about it, like how interested they are, or if you just want to say, oh, I can't have this. But you could go in more depth. It's just depending on the conversation is how I explain it and who I'm talking to. But I really like to go into detail to try to get it out because awareness is key to hopefully getting a cure someday. <laughs> so explaining it, I would be like, I have a genetic disease called PKU. My liver does not break down protein. And essentially, the protein buildup can go to my brain and give me brain damage over time if I took in too much protein, but to get the protein that I need, I have formula every day, and that helps me if I'm not on a strict diet that is low protein, and drinking the correct medical formula that I have, a certain prescribed amount through my specialist and dietitians, and that helps me get the correct nutrients every day. So talk to me a little bit about like going through, you know, middle school and high school and college, like kind of the challenges and how you overcame them during those different states. So luckily I was able to get Cambrook foods made throughout my school cafeteria from sixth grade to throughout high school. So I was able to have like the normal school lunch with all of the students. And then I would bring like snacks in my bag too, just to fall back on. But that was very well put together from the cafeteria and the staff. And that was through our school system. They would just order the Canebrook foods and prepare it for me every day. But other than that, I did have accommodations in school, which definitely helped because through some of the PKU learning, you can hear that there's brain fog possibly depending on your food you've eaten and stuff like that and it can affect testing and like your cognitive skills you could 
like have a book in front of you and you can read something and then possibly not understand what you're reading. So I have experienced that. So with my accommodations through school, I had a 504 and an IEP and I was able to get extra time on tests for that. And to, when I was in grade school and high school, have the tests read to me from someone so then I can understand them reading it instead of just sitting with the, the book in front of me or the test in front of me. And then I was able to get a lot higher scores on tests and stuff just with that. So that was very helpful. And all my friends were aware of what PKU was. My teachers, every year we would go on the PKU website, print out what PKU is, give it to the teacher. And they were just aware, but I've been so strict on my diet throughout my whole life that it really hasn't been a problem. And I've never had any like meat or stuff like that. So I'm very strict with it. But yeah. When you're seeing the younger Mm-hmm. kids at at a conference like this. What are some of the things you talk to them about, you know, and helping them and, and what are they saying to you about their experiences and challenges? So for this conference, I haven't really talked to many kids, but I've seen like a lot of toddlers and babies. And it's very exciting talking with the parents because the parents just have so many questions for you. And they're like, how is this? How is that? And it's just, be vulnerable, be open, and talk about it because it's their future pretty soon. Tell me the differences and how your experience when you first came to this conference this year to maybe how you felt when you were younger. Yeah, so this year I've already met a bunch of adults already that are a little older than me, but it's still like easy to connect with and easy to see like how we have so many similarities. And Over the time, I've met so many people. For instance, a couple years back when I was in the teen room, they have the teen room, and we have a group chat that we talk in every single day still. And that chat was from over four years ago. And so I met all those people just at the conference in the teen room. And then they also, like at the time, we realized, oh, we were also in the kids group. We just didn't remember each other the next time from when we were nine years old to 17, but we were still playing with the same kids in the groups and everything. So that was exciting just to be like, oh, there's a picture of us, but we didn't realize it was us together. So just over the years, reconnecting with people is awesome. And then meeting so many more people. I think that's the most beneficial thing out of the conference is just meeting more people with PKU and the family and friends because it's our everyday lives and we can connect the most. Having an understanding of these conferences and what you're seeing is happening in research and within, you know, different products and everything. Tell me what you've seen change over those years. Well, a lot of difference in the foods. (laughs) And it's even easier just like in the open world, just so many more vegetarian and vegan options, which also helps. But at the conference, lots of foods are being prepared easier to make. And especially with Cook for Love, Brenda's awesome. And she puts together the recipes that are easier to make for the average person who's not a chef because I don't particularly love cooking, but it's something we end up having to do with PKU. So it's just the food transition. There's a lot more formulas, so many different flavors. Every time I go to a PKU event, there's a new formula to try. And I just, I've always just tried it because You don't know if you're going to like it. You don't know if you're going to hate it, but you can always go back to what you're already on. 
so you could just try it and then move on. <laughs> but yeah, so it's great. And then all the treatments too. They're always looking for new treatments, more trials. It's just amazing every time you go. It's more new. I understand that there is a lot of research being done and a lot of um, headway being done for home testing kits. Yes, I am very excited for that. They've been talking about home testing for your B levels for years, at least over 10 years now. And it would be so much easier because right now to check my blood levels to see how much V, which is what is in, V stands for phenylalanine, which is what's inside protein that our livers can't break down. So we're measuring the V levels in our blood and that's just letting us know what range we're in. Our goal is to be between a two and a six, but obviously that fluctuates depending on what you're eating and your formula intake. But with this monitor, it would be so helpful because what I do now is I prick my finger and I um, fill five circles on a piece of filter paper and then I mail it to the state. So I'm in Florida, so I mail it to Tallahassee and I get my results within two to three weeks. But with this fee monitor at home, the one I was looking at yesterday, it gives you the results within minutes. And minutes compared to two to three weeks can change everything. Because when I get my levels back now, there's nothing I could have done because I didn't know two to three weeks ago what my level was at, whether I needed to eat more high food or low food. If I was to get my level within minutes, I would know like, oh, my level's a little higher. Let's eat low the rest of the day or vice versa. So that's really awesome. So that's a huge difference in science that, yes. that is making. What other things are you seeing as, ha as happening in research that you're excited about? They have a lot of things going on for the pregnant women that they're trying to do research on their babies. Because if they're not on diet, they can have maternal PKU syndrome, where the baby could be affected by what the mom's intaking and can have abnormalities like their head size, their brain size, all different stuffs like that. So they're researching that as well. There's just so much going on and it's so exciting. But yeah. <laughs> I can hear the, the excitement in your voice. So it's like yeah. that, you know, the biggest difference of when you're first diagnosed as a baby and what was available to your parents, right? Yes, exactly. To what now you're experiencing mm -hmm. is very different. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the community. Mm -hmm. What are some of the challenges that we would not know if we did not have PKU that the community faces? Probably people just thinking it's all an allergy or just thinking that like, oh, you'll just have a stomach ache and be in the bathroom for a while. It's like, no, not necessarily. It's not like that. I was like, honestly, that'd be easier. <laughs> but um, so it's just like having it understood that it's more than just an allergy, having it understood that it's throughout your whole life, it's not something you can grow out of. People just being able to understand it. And I, luckily I've had, great interactions with like everyone throughout life with it just because I try to I keep it so positive and so outspoken like well known like I try to make everyone around me know like if they're like oh why are you eating that or why'd you just order a salad like that's all you want to eat are you like eating healthy lower calories it's like no let me tell you why like just have it so known because like I said earlier awareness is what's going to help us get more cures and more um, potential 
greatness for PKU. What are you doing now? Tell me about school and, and, and your educational aspirations. I am going to the University of Central Florida. It's in Orlando. And I am studying psychology. That is my major and my minors in sociology. And I'm going into my senior year. I'm actually taking classes. Like I had an assignment due yesterday and I was at the conference. I was like, okay, I have to get back at this time just so I could submit this assignment and then I could go back. So (laughs) running back and forth, doing all of the school and the stuff at the same time. But I am super excited going into my senior year. It's just so fun. I love the college life, the aspect of it. It's actually a lot easier with PKU in college. I mean, obviously I'm on my own for the first time without my parents, but I've been taking my blood on my own since elementary school. Like my parents are like, okay, you do it. Like it's your turn. You are going to be doing it. So I've always just done my blood levels always once a month because that's what my doctors want me to do. And then I eat basically the same foods every day. Like it sounds so silly, but like literally every day I eat the same thing, like low protein pasta, some sauce and some french fries and a salad. Like that's my everyday food. And that's basically it. So it's very easy for me to prepare since I know how to very well. (laughs) But I have that. And then I take my formula with me onto campus. I live in an apartment right like a mile from campus. So I have like everything you would have in a regular apartment. It's just all students live there. And so I have my own kitchen and everything, which is nice and easy, accessible. But the campus, luckily that the college I go to has tons of options. Like they have every restaurant you can think of. You talked about school and, and your um, your degrees. What is your hope for your career? What, where is that direction going? I'm not 100% sure right now, but I would love to work in the PKU field industry. I don't know exactly what it would be, but I would love to work with PKU some way with that. I'm also really enjoying learning about mental health, obviously with psychology and um, people who are addicted to drugs and stuff. So drug impact is very interesting to me. And also just thinking about the drugs that we have accessible to us that aren't labeled drugs, but the medications that are accessible to us. So it's very interesting. So hopefully I can connect the two. (laughs) So it's great that you're taking your diagnosis Mm -hmm. and making it part of your career, right? Is this something that you've always wanted to do? Yeah. At a a very young age, I was like, oh, I want to be a dietitian. I want to be a dietitian. And then I realized like, oh, maybe that's not quite what I want to be, but I know I still want to be in the field. So I was actually able to talk to one of my formula reps and he was um, like, oh, you should look into psychology or biology. And I was at community college at the time getting my associate's degree. And so I took psychology as a elective and I was like, oh, I love this. This is all for me. So that's when I was like, I'm doing psychology. So I I definitely feel your positivity and keeping everything very upbeat. Um, but you had mentioned earlier about mental health. Yeah. And um, for someone who may be struggling, mm-hmm. especially with the diagnosis and maybe trying to communicate their their mental health status. What are some of the things that you could advise them? Formula, 100%. No matter if you're on a medication at the moment or not, like the formula is number one. 
and just reach out. If it sound if it feels like or sounds like there's not a lot of people around you, go to social media because now there's so many Facebook groups, so many Instagram pages, so many just literally search PKU on Facebook and some people have it in their bios of who they are. So it's just there's so many different and with hashtags, you can also just hashtag PKU and see who has used the um, hashtag in their photos and be like, so how do these people know what PKU is? They have to know what it is somehow. So there's social media changes everything and it can get you connected to so many people and help you learn things that you would not have even learned in your own clinic. So meeting people at conferences is definitely helpful. Meeting people at camps, but just even just social media, just pull out your phone and search PKU on Facebook. You'll find so many groups. You'll find so many people and it's the most helpful thing in your pocket. (laughs) We hear a lot about diet. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you explain to the community what it means to be on diet, off diet? So being on diet means mostly low protein foods. A lot of people measure their food with, with the fee that's in the food, which is more precise, or they can measure it with protein. So protein is more rounded numbers and fee is more specific. So it just depends on the person because there's so many different kinds of PKU with how strict you have to be. Whenever I'm explaining it to someone, I'm like, there's different types of diabetics. There's different types of people with PKU. So that's like the easiest way to like explain it to the average person is there's different types. So it just depends on how strict you have to be versus how lenient you can be. Luckily, I'm more lenient, so I can have protein countage versus fee countage. Either way, I could do it, though, if I wanted. So I have about 9 to 11 grams of protein a day. And whenever I explain that to people, I'm like, 9 to 11 grams of protein, and they're like, okay, but they don't understand that. So I go, okay, one serving of goldfish, the crackers, is 3 grams of protein. And they're like, what? That's nothing. I can sit there and eat the whole bag. And I was like, exactly. Now you understand. (laughs) But that's how I explain like the protein. But being on diet is being strict with staying within range of whatever it is. Your range is different between person to person, like and different ages. As you get older, your range can lower or go higher. So it really depends on the person. But being off diet would be if I was eating crazy high amounts of protein, just whether I chose to have a cheat day, even though I've never done that in my life. But many people have, which is their choice. But um, the they end up getting high fee levels and that affects so many things, cognitively, headaches, possible seizures, possible brain damage. It's very scary but it's a decision but at the same time it could just be these people don't have access to what they need which is very scary as well like not being able to get your formula because of the price it is or insurance not being able to cover it same as low protein foods like it's crazy but it's the world we're living in so that's why there's so much advocacy with the board of PKU National PKU Alliance that are really out there trying to advocate for us which is very great but Being on diet and being off diet isn't always a choice. It's sometimes just what these people have to deal with because of not getting the proper nutrients or food or formula that they have, which is sad and scary, but that's what it is. 
thank you for that. Yeah. That was perfectly understandable. So how is your level? Can you tell us how that level is determined? Yeah. So um, like I explained earlier, they do a blood test. So it's just like the newborn screening that's done after a baby's born. For me, I've learned that a lot of people do the blood draw on the arm whenever they need to do theirs, but I do mine at home. I prick my finger and then I have the filter paper. So the goal for everyone is to be between a two and a six. I like staying around a five because that's when I feel best. I have figured out for my body, people feel best at different levels, but I prefer a five or four. But my highest level I have had is an 11 and that's when I was born. So I was born with a level of an 11 and that's when they were like, okay, she has PKU because her level has spiked. So ever since I was born, they put me on the proper formula just at a couple days old. And ever since then, I've had a strict low protein diet throughout my whole life. And with the formula, that helps me get in all my nutrients that I need. So that helps me stay within range. Um, Of course, levels get higher whenever you are sick. Like if you have the flu, a cold, whatever sickness you may have. But for me, a high level would be like eight when I'm sick. But for others, it could be 17. So it just, it really depends on the person. But I always, I have never gone a day without formula. So that's definitely beneficial for me and keeping my levels within range. But it's different for every person. So if you feel like you're going, you know, if your level's changing, right, what are some of the things you notice that might be often you need to adjust your protein and intake? The first thing's normally a headache and crabbiness, like in a bad mood. But um, that's when I am just like, okay, I have to drink more formula or maybe my next meal eat low protein pasta because I know that has very little protein in it. The only protein's coming from whatever I put on it, which is normally like I like ragu sauce. So that's a gram or two of protein. But I can luckily eat that with my tolerance. Other people, I'm not sure if they can or not because everyone's different. But just, I guess, foggy in like a foggy state of mind. But uh, I don't really quite know how to explain being foggy. It's just like, I guess, imagine a cloudy day in your brain. (laughs) Um, Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you would like the community to hear? Just make it known, make PKU known. Hopefully one day we'll see it on TV or something, but just spreading the awareness of PKU and having it, hopefully we could just be able to say like PKU, like we hear the word cancer and we all know what that is, or we know the word autism and we all know what that is. Hopefully one day PKU could be just like that, but hopefully by then we'll have a cure. (laughs) That's perfect. Thank you for being part of that awareness campaign, because that's exactly, you know, your your ability to talk about it and, mm-hmm. and educate about it is is a huge asset. Right. Right. And so thank you so much for doing that and sharing the yes. story and, and letting and teaching us more, too. Yes. Thank you. You're so welcome. It's great. Abigail was diagnosed with PKU at birth thanks to medical advancements and the adoption of newborn screening in the U.S. She talks with us about how the information given to parents upon diagnosis 
has greatly improved over the years. More so, Abigail shares how this information can lead to preparedness and better outcomes for those diagnosed with PKU. Thank you and welcome to our Insightful Moments, My Vibe. Would love for you to introduce yourself and tell us about you. Sure. Uh, So my name is Abigail Pallas. I was diagnosed at birth with classical PKU or phenylketonuria. Essentially, PKU is a condition where your body cannot convert the amino, amino acid phenylalanine into tyrosine. So the amino acid phenylalanine can build up in your brain and it can cause uh, brain damage if it's not treated with medical diet long term. Um, So that is something that they diagnose at birth with a pinprick in your heel, uh, along with several other medical conditions. But that's one of the things that they screen for routinely with babies. So you gave us a great understanding of what PKU is. Can you kind of talk a little bit about what it's like living with PKU? So for me personally, um, I have really been on diet, meaning eating a diet lower in protein because phenylalanine is found in protein for my whole life. So it's just a a day-to-day part of my routine. It's not something that really bothers me. It's not something that is is kind of inhibitant, but I know that a lot of children and uh, myself included, like in teenage years, um, tend to struggle with staying on diet. Um, It can be a a little bit tricky when you're trying to deal with peer pressure and um, just just growing up in in the community where everyone's everyone's different from you. You're you're definitely a minority and it's a condition that not a lot of people are familiar with. But yeah, for me personally, uh, really, I, I I don't have a, a life that that much different from anyone else. Like I, I think that a lot of people are pretty fascinated by someone with the PKU condition. Uh, a lot of times it's discussed if you take like a basic biology uh, course class in, in college or, or sometimes high school, they talk about recessive alleles and the, the characteristic that are the, uh, the textbook example that they usually use is, is PKU. So some people are somewhat familiar with it, but for the most part, day to day, you know, no one can look at me and tell that I have PKU. It's just a, a condition that I have and my friends are aware of it and it, it really doesn't affect me too much in my day to day life. Just basically habits that have been ingrained over all these years of, of diet. I imagine a lot of people do not realize that PKU is diagnosed through newborn screening. Can you give us an explanation as to why that is so important? Sure. So the newborn screening is the pinprick in the heel. And in doing that, they're they're testing for a few conditions, but one of the things that they're testing for is PKU. And by identifying the elevated phenylalanine levels, they're able to diagnose someone with PKU. And so they will generally call up the family immediately and let them know to come back to the hospital so that the doctor can explain this is PKU, this is how you treat it, this is the uh, medical formula that your child will have to take instead of breast milk or formula from a pharmacy. Um, and the formula, since it doesn't have the phenylalanine, uh, you're able to prevent that phenylalanine buildup in your brain if you were to take breast milk, if you were to take uh, just an over-the-counter formula. And that can prevent brain damage, which is especially important uh, when your child. 
because the brain is developing so rapidly and you really need to make sure to take those preventative measures. I know it can be very overwhelming uh, for parents that are probably called into the hospital not knowing what is wrong with their child. My parents have told me that story a few times. And I think that once you are armed with that knowledge and you're able to understand the condition and how, oh, this is totally, totally treatable. This is something that your child can grow up, live a normal life. Um, they'll just have to have a slightly different diet and that's okay. And there are treatment options out there now too, which there, there really weren't when I was a child. So it's, it's uh, definitely changed over the years. So this is really a great um, opportunity to talk about like when you were, you know, what your parents were dealing with, with a child with PKU compared to what a parent today mm -hmm. is um, and what resources parents have today. Can you give us an understanding of the difference back when your parents were, you know, and you were diagnosed to what parents today are, are experiencing? Yeah. So I, I can do my best to talk on behalf of my parents because I, I know I've discussed this with them a few times, but I imagine that being a parent, you know, finding out your child has a metabolic condition would be very overwhelming and very scary, um, especially if not treated, it can result in brain damage. I mean, that's your, that's your newborn child. And I mean, you want the world for them and to find out like within a day or two that, you know, your, your child could be mentally damaged is, is scary and traumatizing. And I think that they probably were, were really worried at first, but, but again, with knowledge comes power and having the ability to treat children with that formula was, was really how they were able to raise me. But nowadays, um, when kids reach a certain age, they have other treatment options available. So they don't just have a formula that they should be taking. Um, they also have options um, that can lower their fee levels, but it's definitely different between what it was many years ago, even, even before I was born, where they originally told parents that once your child's an adult, you can go off diet. And that's how children were originally raised before my day. And doctors kind of recognize that this is something that needs to be treated lifelong. Because while your brain may not be rapidly developing when you are an adult, you can still have negative consequences by going off diet. Um, so some of these solutions that are in place that allow children to have more normal diet that are prescribed are, are great options for, for people that maybe have a little more difficulty controlling their phenylalanine levels, controlling that diet or maybe are more susceptible to, to phenylalanine. Uh, some, some individuals tend to have some of the enzyme left or they have like some, some partial enzyme activity so they can have a higher protein tolerance. So it really varies person to person and having that like relationship with your clinic and the parents working with the clinic to ensure the health of the child can really make a huge difference in monitoring and ensuring that the child can live their best life and uh, be healthy. So we, I heard you say a couple of times, and it's part of the, the PKU community of on diet, off diet. Yes. Can yes. you tell us a little bit about what that means? I am a huge advocate for being on diet because again, with, with those phenylalanine level buildups in your brain, that can cause brain damage. And uh, I think the, the mentality is that um, you can go off diet when your brain is no longer developing or at least that was the mentality. The new mentality, the new age uh, thinking is that you should be diet for life. 
And that can come with a lot of challenges because we all know how difficult healthcare um, is in the United States. And getting healthcare coverage for something when you're when you're an adult uh, sometimes can be a lot trickier. Uh, whereas medical formula when you're a child can be easier because you are a child, you need a, a medical formula. Some states are a little more lenient in offering better coverage when you're a child, whereas when you're an adult, you don't get as much coverage or some some states little to no coverage. So, so formula is an essential part of a diet. That is an important part of treatment. Formula is an essential part of staying on diet to keep you healthy. It has, a, not only does it have the protein without the phenylalanine, but it also has a variety of vitamins, minerals um, that your body needs and, and probably won't get from normal food, especially if you're using like medical PKU foods. A lot of them don't have much nutritional value, but they are meant to kind of fill you up at a very low fee cost. So the caveat is if you are not taking the formula and you are on a, a low protein diet, I mean, could you still be healthy? Maybe because you're not getting that fee buildup, but then again, you're not getting like the vitamins, and the minerals. So, and you're also not getting the protein. So it's kind of a delicate balance of, of needing to incorporate both the low protein diet and the medical formula to ensure that all the, all your bases are covered essentially. We see a lot of younger you know, from little, little ones to younger kids um, with PKU. What are some of the things you wish you had known then that you know now? As a child, I think the one thing I would have liked to have known was, I can, I can probably put this in an analogy. If you skip one workout and you're a healthy person, you're not going to be instantly unhealthy. And if you have like one slip up, you don't have to be so hard on yourself. You know, we, I'm not, it's saying people should go out and eat a steak dinner if you have PKU by any means, but, but um, we're not perfect and we make mistakes and uh, it's, it's what you do most of the time that counts, not what you do some of the time. So giving yourself some grace. Yeah, it's hard to do. And especially, you know, with your, your parents are concerned. They're, they're watching you with your every meal because they want to make sure that you live a healthy life and don't want to deal with the consequences. And I totally understand. But yeah, I, the, people can sometimes be so judgmental outside looking in and they don't know the struggles that you have to go through. Um, and it, it can be a lot for a child. It can be a lot. And it's great to have this community here that's supportive. Um, and also uh, these at these conferences where the children can, can kind of get together and get to know each other and, and realize like, hey, I'm, I'm not alone in this. These other people experience this too. And having that insight and, and that strength and, and camaraderie, I think can be very beneficial as well. Can you give like someone who may be going through middle school, can you think back to your time in middle school? What are some of the challenges and how did you overcome them? I think just uh, looking back, I think thinking I was kind of the odd one out. Like I, I remember like, my sandwiches, my, my bread looked different because it was not the normal store-bought bread. And, and I don't even know that anyone noticed it, but I noticed it. <laughs> and just having different food from my friends, like they would all eat the, eat the pizza at lunch from the cafeteria. And I brought my lunch every single day. 
And I think just not having as much confidence, because that's kind of an awkward stage in your life, <laughs> the whole middle school transition. So I, I think just, um, yeah, maybe being a little more proud with my choices and maybe being more open and honest about why. Because I don't think I really talked to any of my friends about PKU when I was in middle school because it was like one of those things where I'm different and I don't want other people to know. Um, so I think just being in middle school, maybe finding a balance between the two of, yeah, my, my friends can know this. I can, I can open up to them about it. And if they, if they don't care, then they're great friends. And if they do care, well, maybe I should look elsewhere for friends. <laughs> I'd love that. So what did um, high school look like then and those conversations with friends? Did you at that point feel more confident about discussing it? My closest friends knew, but no, I was I was pretty quiet about it then, too. I'm more of an introverted person, believe it or not. <laughs> so I don't think I spoke a lot about it. If someone asked, I would. But but for the most part, I kind of I, I was a lot more confident in my choices of what I brought for lunch and the food I ate. Like I was packing my lunches and I, you know, if I, if I ate something for lunch, like I, I didn't have to like hide behind, like my food looks weird. I just didn't, I didn't care as much, I think is the thing. And if someone, if someone asked, I would tell them, but I did not, I didn't go out of my way to volunteer information. <laughs> and then now tell me about you today. Oh, today I'm I'm definitely a lot more vocal. Um, I'm I'm more involved in the community. Uh, I have like an Instagram page where I like to post food that I bake and and sometimes post some recipes if I think they're they're low fee enough to help some other people. So I'm definitely a lot more vocal about it, and I I do share about it with people because it's it's kind of an interesting thing about me. And I I if it's if it's coworkers, if it's some people that maybe I don't know as well, I just, I just tell them I'm vegetarian. I don't need, I don't need everyone to know my whole life story, but if it's, if it's some friends or some people I'm getting close with, I, it's something I'm proud of. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to the conference and I'm going to be on the panel and I'm going to be speaking. And that's really cool. And my friends are all super supportive and they think it's awesome. And yeah, I, I just getting over the stigma. Everyone's different. Everyone has uh, medical issues, but most people just don't talk about them. And maybe we should be able to normalize that a lot more. Tell me how you feel when walking out into the area where they have all these companies and working on products and studies on behalf of PKU. Tell me how does that feel for you? Yeah, it feels like we've come a long way. <laughs> when I was a kid, they were maybe like two, three formulas on the market, and they were disgusting. I'm not going to lie. They were really gross. And <laughs> it's come a long way. Like now there's like coffee flavored ones and there's like different like orange and lemon. Like there's, there's actually some good tasting stuff out there. And the low protein food has gotten a, a lot better. I remember as a kid, I would pretty much eat like the bread and pasta. And that was, that was about all I could stomach because most of it was just not that good. But we've come such a long way. So that's amazing. Like to, and I, I hear that often, right? That mm -hmm. the formula was terrible and so you weren't the only one. <laughs> and then some of the science and the research mm -hmm. that's happening. Not just the amount of science and research that's happening, but how easy it is to get access to that information now. 
with just cell phones, having, having that at your fingertip, kind of totally dating myself with this conversation, <laughs> but, but just, um, being it, like we used to have the, the PKU news, which I believe came out probably right around the time I was born. It was, it was right around that year, give or take a year. Um, so now that we have just all this information being emailed to us, the patient registry, um, genetics testing, we've, we've come such a long way, uh, in the science community. And I love that at, at conferences like this, people are talking about not just the, the ex experience of having PKU, but the science and, and the research that goes into it. It's really, it's, it's really interesting to hear so many different people's perspectives because we have the mom with kids with PKU and then we have the geneticist doctor who's speaking about how this can help us long term. And it's just really cool to have so many different opinions. Is there anything that I did not ask you that you would like to share? I think the thing I'd like to share is if you're a parent and you have a child that's been diagnosed with PKU, just don't, don't stress too much. Like it's going to be okay. I think I'm going to be talking a little bit about this on the panel tomorrow, but your child can live a normal, healthy life. And honestly, they can, they can grow up to be whatever they want. They can be as intelligent as they want. They just need to stay focused and it's, you got to put in the legwork up front, but it's going to pay off if you can make sure to instill the value of, of keeping the child on diet. That's, that's definitely key. And that's me on my soapbox. <laughs> and what a perfect soapbox that is. It really <laughs> yeah. is. Thank you so, so much yeah, for, for coming and sharing and <laughs> mm -hmm and giving us a really great insight. Thank you. We so appreciate it. That was great to talk to you, Paul. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Insightful Moments, My Vibe, and for supporting voices within the rare disease community. Thank you as well to everyone who shared their story on today's episode please visit our website at www.ptcinsightfulmoments.com for more stories and resources. If any of the stories resonated with you today, please let us know by leaving a review wherever you are listening or by sharing this show with a friend. I'm Paula Orandash, and this has been Insightful Moments, My Vibe from PTC Therapeutics.